Good evening, church, and welcome. It is good to be with you tonight, and tonight is Tuesday, and we are glad that you have joined us on our digital campus. First of all, to all of our guests, first-time guests, those that have returned and been with us a few times but are newer to us, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here. Thank you for spending time with us this Tuesday evening. We broadcast every single night except for Monday night, so Tuesday through Sunday, seven days a week, but we are beginning to head in for a landing and uh, you want to stay tuned. I am hopeful that by the end of this month, I will be able to give you something more definitive than just simply the answer of July or August. And so everybody stay tuned. We're excited about everything that's coming together. Thankful that we're going to be able to come back together again. I am excited about us coming back together. I'm not sure it's quite as quick as Arash expects it to be, but it's coming. And so we're excited. So to our first time guests, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you want to learn more about us, and in fact, church family, everything you need to know is at newarcupc.info. Newarcupc.info is where you can find out everything. If you're confused about where Zoom meetings are, Go to NewarkUPC.info. A great place is our upcoming events. Every event that is happening online is in our calendar there. You can find our information there. So make yourself available to that. If you're not getting your notifications, whether that be email or text message, you can go and update your information with us. And then that way you will be in our system. So if you're not getting text messages or emails from us about things and communication, you need to go there. You can update your information again at newarcupc.info. We're excited to be with you tonight. And uh, as those of you that have been with us last week, you know that we have started last week a two-week series dealing with the theme of teamwork makes the dream work. And uh, the concept is, is that the ministry of the body of Christ is not supposed to be select individuals, but rather it is the whole body of Christ operating together as a team and obviously as individual members of that body give their various gifts and talents there could be sub teams or different groups of people that are banded together for specific purposes and so last week we looked at teams that weren't working so well teams that were <laughs> they kind of failed and so this week we're turning and I have the opportunity to bring you the first lesson and the first thought with regard to teams that worked teams that have succeeded and uh, I'm excited to talk to you tonight about uh, a team that operated and succeeded under extreme stress. In fact, I cannot think of a more appropriate example of a team under stress, uh, under pressure, than the team I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Now, many of the teams that we're talking to you about are, are uh, smaller teams, one, uh, excuse me, two or three people. Um, but teams can get quite large, and in fact, if they're organized properly and they communicate well with one another, they can get quite large and quite effective. Uh, but tonight I want to talk to you about a team that almost before it got off the ground, it was under strain. And um, those of you that have joined us in small groups, you know that we are drawing to a close in a theme uh, that we've been looking at across the months of uh, April and May and June, which is um, expectations that God doesn't meet, failed expectations. And uh, last week we looked at Joseph, 
the earthly father of Jesus and how his expectations were not met. And uh, in this coming week, uh, we'll be looking at his wife, Mary, the mother of Jesus, how her expectations were not met. And so I have the opportunity tonight to talk to you for just a few minutes about this team of Joseph and Mary. It was a team that obviously God had great respect and trust for because he placed an absolutely astounding amount of pressure upon them as they each faced this unprecedented, never before happened and never since happened event, namely God born a human. That's an astounding thing to have roll into your life, that you are going to be the earthly parents of God as a human. And um, they didn't have much warning, they didn't have much preparation, and, uh, and yet God saw something within them. And so I want to draw your attention to a few things and kind of look at it. Now, the way I want to do this tonight is, is I want to talk to you from a, a kind of a personal vantage point, from my vantage point. Um, a few months back, I did some work and was doing some things where somebody asked me to characterize the teams that I build. And I, if you know anything about me, I'm a team builder. And uh, I didn't realize this early in my ministry, but I, I really am. It goes all the way back to my involvement with Bible quizzing. I was a one-man team most of the time that I quizzed. I had teammates. Sometimes they would help, but sometimes they couldn't help. And, uh, and sometimes they studied really hard. I know that one of them is probably watching tonight. She studied with me in my first year, and we got there. And I terrified her to death because I went up, and I was all gung-ho about Bible quizzing, and I aired out left her sitting there at the table all alone. And uh, if you don't know Sister Janelle Friend, then that's my teammate. That was my first teammate. But there were many times that through the years that I would win and I would I would want so badly that we would have, instead of just one or two of us, maybe there could be three or four or five of us when one of us wasn't doing so well, somebody could be substituted in. There's strength in a team. And so when I became a coach, I started building teams. I, I didn't want that single quizzer that was phenomenal. I wanted that quizzer to be as best as they could be. But I wanted a team so that when they were having a bad game, their team could surround them and come around them. And so little did I know that that really was being birthed in me, something that was even more than just about Bible quizzing. But in fact, it was about my ministry. It's about how I work with people. And then I I went and I was uh, I worked on a team of faculty that helped start a graduate school and, and I had the opportunity for one year to serve as their academic dean. And in that role, I found myself also building a team, being in the background, not needing to be out front. Uh, and I found great joy in it. And so over the last few years, as you all know, we've been making that transition from a pastor centric model within the church to a team. And uh, so when I was asked this question, it was it was interesting. I stopped and I, I thought about it, and uh, and it didn't take me very long for the for the characteristics of the teams that I have built to to come to me. And so there are six characteristics, and I want to talk to you about a few of them tonight in, in through the story of Joseph and Mary. And so these six characteristics, uh, Sister Joyce is going to pop them up on the screen for me right now. These six characteristics, these are not the only characteristics that a team should have, but these are probably the dominant ones on teams that I tend to build, teams that I tend to pull together. Number one is radical truth, and I'll talk more about that in a moment uh, when we talk about Joseph and Mary. So radical truth, 
Uh, I'm going to work through all six of them, Joyce. So leave up all six for a moment there, and then we'll then we'll turn to each one. So radical truth. Uh, the second is trust. I think trust is probably one that does have to be present in all teams. If there is not trust, there's a breakdown. Communication. All right. I think that one probably has to be present as well. Autonomy uh, is something that as you grow larger, as you have more people involved, you've got to give liberty to people that are operating on your team to do their job. If they cannot move, if they cannot make decisions, uh, then that, that becomes a problem. So you've got to give them autonomy, but then that requires alignment, the ability for the team to be headed in the right direction and in the same direction. So these two, these two kind of work together. And this one is less, these two are less important. I'm going to spend less time talking about them tonight. Uh, in the case of Joseph and Mary. And then finally, uh, those of you that have worked with me, you probably are not surprised by this, but irreverent respect. Uh, and here, irreverent is not uh, disrespect. Notice that it's coupled with respect, but irreverent is something that's not expected. In other words, the way that it's carried out, it's it's not expected. And And many times this irreverent respect for me is about a sense of humor. It's not taking ourselves too seriously. It's understanding that we don't have all the answers and everything isn't going to go well. And sometimes we mess up. Uh, like my teammate tonight, Sister Joyce is hosting for me and, and she was in a panic today because I was busy somewhere else. I knew where I was going. I forgot to tell her, see, there's a breakdown in communication. And I forgot to tell her that I was not going to use any scripture tonight because we all know the story of Joseph and Mary. And uh, so I'm going to reference that well-known story and kind of talk from a different angle about teamwork makes the dream work. And But I neglected to communicate that to her. And so she's in a panic because I've been known to give lots of scripture. And so she's thinking she's going to have to put all this scripture in for the broadcast. I haven't told her anything. And then I was busy. I was jammed up. All kinds of things happened today. And so I, I didn't even know she was contacting me. So communication had broken down. And, and she didn't get anything from me. So now we're now we're down to does she trust me? And of course, I you know what what am I doing? How am I handling this? And I, I should have, you know, autonomy's great, but I should have been more on a, in alignment with her. And so at a certain point, you got to kind of go, oh my goodness, and you got to chuckle at one another. So you know, I got on the call tonight and I smiled because I know Joyce. She's very very particular and very very careful in everything she does. That's why I value her her contribution to the team. And I said, so how are you doing today? Did you have a heart attack? Now, I don't know if she laughed. I'm not sure if she's laughing now, but there's that irreverent respect. On the one hand, I apologized. I did tell her I'm sorry uh, that I, I didn't mean to not communicate. I should have said something last night. But at the same time, teams that God uses, at least in this broken world, are human. They're broken. And uh, we, we try to work with them. So let's let's take a look at the, the story of Joseph and Mary through these. I'm going to look at radical truth, trust, communication, and irreverent respect. Now, that's a mistake as a speaker. I should never have done that because now you all can count down when I'm done. So all of you that are worried that I'm going to keep you here a long time, I promise you I am not. I'm going to be very quick. I'm going to be very pointed uh, in what I have to say tonight. So I promise you, 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 you will be out of here no later than 7.30, but a little sooner is what I'm gearing for. Uh, and so let's take a look at radical truth. So first of all, the story of Joseph and Mary, radical truth. <laughs> that's, that's where it all started. Because the radical truth was Mary had not been unfaithful to Joseph. The radical truth was is Joseph had no foggy idea how that was possible. 
The radical truth was is that God was being born a human. And the radical truth is, is neither Joseph nor Mary ever, promise you, ever fully comprehended how this happened. When you deal with radical truth, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. It's It, it feels right on a team to try to go for something a little more palatable than radical truth. You see, radical truth is disturbing because it, it, it doesn't allow you any comfort zone. It doesn't allow you any space to kind of sit in your comfort zone. Instead, it disturbs you. It moves you. It causes you to face things that are uncomfortable, that, that don't feel good. Um, one of the things that the teams that I built, and in particular the pastoral team over the last few years, is uh, any event that we do afterwards, we do a thing called after action review. And it's become kind of a smile as the team will go other places and they will see people doing what I call the Watusi, the little dance in which something's wrong, but nobody wants to say it. Something needs to be corrected, but nobody wants to talk about it. And invariably, somebody will come up to me, kind of smile and say, wonder what they would do with our after action reviews. Because our after action reviews are a commitment to radical truth. We talk to one another, all of us, every single one of us. What went right? What went wrong? What can we do better? What do we need to never do again? What does somebody need to correct? What does somebody need to improve on? And so radical truth is something that is, is, is our society does not teach us to be committed to that. You know, what am I feeling or what am I, what, what, what makes me feel whatever I'm feeling and, and comfortable and yet Radical truth, the only way Joseph and Mary were going to make it through this was to be absolutely truthful with one another. And that means even when the other person says, what you're saying cannot be true. Can you imagine Joseph looking at Mary and going, Mary, you got to be kidding me. The only way you have a baby is you sleep with a man. But Joseph, I really didn't sleep with a man. Mary, that's not possible. But Joseph, it's the truth. See, radical truth is uncomfortable. Can you imagine Joseph awaking after his dream? I wonder what words he said to Mary. I wonder what kind of things. I mean, he decided they was going to privately put her away, but what what kind of words were exchanged between them? You you think it was unheeded? Do you think it had no passion to it? I I'm inclined to say that if I'm getting ready to marry somebody and they're trying to tell me the truth, but I think it's a lie, I, I might speak a little strongly. Now, what about that moment of radical truth when Joseph has to come back to Mary and say, Mary, I, I can't explain this, but I had a dream. In that dream, an angel showed up and that angel told me X, Y, and Z. Will you forgive me? Will you still marry me? See, radical truth at its core, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but at its core, Joseph and Mary's teamwork would have never, ever got off the ground, given what God asked of them, if they were not committed to this characteristic of radical truth. Radical truth. You can't, you, you can't play with this truth thing. You've got to buy it. You've got to sell out to it got to never let it go. No matter where it leads you, no matter how it costs you, no matter what others think about it, no matter whether they're comfortable with it, truth is truth. I don't know if my dad ever said this exact phrasing to me, but this concept, he 
absolutely imbued into my head. Truth bows to no one. Truth bows to no one. Truth doesn't need our defense. And truth will always triumph. Just because everyone in the world says truth is false, truth is still truth. And just because everyone in the world tries to lift a lie up and say that's truth, it still stays a lie because truth bows to no one. No human controls it. No agenda controls it. No government controls it. And the truth was God had overshadowed the womb of a young woman named Mary and conceived in her a child that was the son of God. That was the truth. It was radical truth. And in doing so, because Joseph was already betrothed to her, he had chosen Joseph to be his earthly father. That was the truth. He expected Joseph to take the cost that came with that. Radical truth. All right, I need to move on if I'm going to keep my promise to be done by 7.30 or a little bit earlier. So the second uh, characteristic is trust. Trust. Obviously, trust got put to the test with Joseph and Mary. And it probably bent a bit. It, it probably struggled a bit. I, I am quite sure that Mary struggled to trust Joseph and even telling him, but, you know, this thing called pregnancy, eventually it's going to show itself. So better sooner rather than later. I don't know. I wonder how many weeks she went by. I wonder how many nights she stayed awake trying to think of how to say this because she wasn't sure if she could trust Joseph with this. He was an honorable man, yes, and she was uh, looking forward to marrying him, I'm assuming, but uh, how's this going to work? Trust. Of course, the opposite side, Joseph receives this radical truth that God has overshadowed his wife-to-be, that which is conceived in her, not by him, but by the Holy Spirit, is the Son of God. Trust that Mary's telling the truth. Trust that it's not a lie. Both of them trusting the angels that appeared to them, either in person or in a dream. Trusting the voice of the Almighty. Trust. No team can survive an absence of trust. And by the way, trust is formed on the crucible of pressure, of trial, of problems. And boy, did Joseph and Mary face that. Radical truth, trust. Third is communication. No team can operate if they won't talk. Can you imagine if Joseph gave Mary the silent treatment for too long? What if Mary wouldn't communicate to Joseph? You see, trust and communication really do go hand in hand because we will not open our mouths to speak radical truth. That which is necessary to take us where we need to go as a team. If we don't trust, but we have to. We have to communicate. You see, if you're just one person, you don't have to communicate. Everything happens inside of your own head. You don't have to really communicate. You might you might communicate a little bit to those who you want to follow you, but at the same time, you can just strike out. You can kind of do it on your own. But when you're in a team, it's not how it works. Truth has to be present. Radical truth, I would say. Trust has to be present. And communication. Can you imagine the conversations that occurred before Jesus was born? All of those weeks and months as 
Joseph refrained. He took Mary into his home, he, but he, he did not know her. He did not take her into his bed. He refrained from consummating the marriage. But can you imagine the conversations? I imagine conversations of bewilderment, and I imagine conversations of, of, of wonder, and I imagine conversations of curiosity. What's this baby going to be like? And I imagine a lot of different conversations. I've often said to married couples that communication is central. If you just won't stop, if you just will not stop, you just keep communicating, you can't fail. You see, the breakdown is when you stop communicating. When you stop communicating. Teams have to communicate, even the uncomfortable communication, even the uncomfortable moments. It's not just the moments where we get to rejoice at success. It's also looking at and going, man, that was a absolute failure. It's looking at one another and saying, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. You disappointed me. I'm hurt. I hurt you. I'm sorry. See, communication. Oh, it's a lot easier to stay a lot more surface, but I want you to understand something. The body of Christ is meant to be a team. And when a body hurts, the body ministers to it. And when one member of the body hurts, the rest of the body feels that pain. And when one member rejoices, the rest of the body rejoices with that member. This is what teamwork is. Radical truth, trust, communication. And then the final one I want to focus on, and again, like I said earlier, autonomy and alignment are, are really features of, of a larger group of people and so aren't as applicable in the context of Joseph and Mary, but the last one of a reverent truth, or excuse me, a reverent respect. If you do not have respect for one another as members of the team, you will erode the trust, you will not be truthful, and you'll cease to communicate. Here's the problem. A lot of teams are frozen by respect. In other words, they build this hierarchy within the team. They build this pecking order within the team. And so they figure out who's who's the boss or who's the next boss or, or who's the most eloquent or who's whatever. Fill in the category. And so what happens is, is this whole thing of respect gets in the way because we're going to operate by these protocols. Now here's the cool thing about teams. Teams are not measured by their individuals. They're measured by their outcomes. I want to say that again. Teams are not measured by the individuals. They're measured by the outcomes. You see, if you, the individual, don't have anybody else who's working with you, you better be what is necessary for the outcome to come out. Whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you've got to supply it. But when you're on a team, you just need to contribute to that team. The question is not whether you have what it takes. And the question is not whether your brother or your sister, your fellow teammate has what it takes. The question is, does the team have what it takes? That's all the question is. Now, if you're interested in having a whole lot of accolades and you're interested in having your own pride massaged and cared for, then you're probably not going to like a team. Can you imagine Joseph? How much accolades did he get in the scriptures? Do we have any words he ever spoke? We have a song, the Magnificat, that Mary sang. Did Joseph ever say anything? 
literally the scripture writers deemed in the story of Jesus, Joseph so insignificant that I do not know of a single word he ever spoke. Yet at pivotal moments without Joseph, there is no Messiah. Without Joseph, there is no baby, the son of God. See, in a team, it can't be about the individual. This is the problem, by the way, with the pastor-centric model, because it, even if your intent is correct, it draws too much attention to the individual. And it makes a potential problem there. Number one, it pulls away from others who are contributing but are not being acknowledged. And number two, it puffs up the one who's getting acknowledged probably more than he or she should be. I'm a talented guy, but I'm not all that. It's going to make him have a puffed up head, but Meg will take care of him tonight. You all really aren't that pretty, and neither am I. Go listen to Brother Arash's message again. We're not that pretty. We play a part on a team. So the reason for the irreverent respect is there needs to be respect. There needs to be valuing. Joseph needed to value Mary and realize that she was playing a role in a much larger drama than he realized. And Mary needed to have respect for the cost and for the faithfulness and for all that Joseph was contributing. But can you imagine, and I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but I kind of think they had moments of funny. They had moments of cracking up. In the midst of this craziness, just thinking about how nuts this was, how crazy this was. So you've got to have a sense of humor. You've got to not take yourself too serious. And the problem is, is that when leaders take themselves too seriously, what they do is they sap the team from the ability to have a sense of humor. You got to have a sense of humor about your strengths and you got to have a sense of humor about your weaknesses. You got to be able to give one another a hard time every once in a while in the environment of trust. In the environment of trust. So you can laugh at the mistakes. I will tell you our after action reviews, they are severe. We go over them very, very carefully and we we're very truthful with one another, but we also laugh at ourselves. We're like, oh my goodness, did we blow that? That didn't work. Let's not ever do that again. And we have a good time. We laugh because there needs to be an irreverence. If you spend any time around me, you're going to learn. Oh, I'm intense. But I also love to laugh. I love to make fun of myself. I'm a goofy guy. I'm a weird guy. I don't have to have it all together. I play a part on a team. I contribute my part along with other members of the team who contribute their part. This is what Paul was talking about when he said the body of Christ is many members and yet one body. And so, Joyce, if you put up all six of those again, I think it would be fascinating to be able to sit down with Joseph and Mary and say, what was it really like to be radical in your truth? What was it like to trust beyond any level of trust that I've ever that I've ever had? How did your communication work? What was your sense of humor in the midst of all this? How did you laugh? And if they didn't laugh before the baby came, I promise you they laughed afterwards. The collision of the almighty with a baby. There had to be a humorous moment when Jesus burped or pooped. When he learned to walk and fell over. 
when he did something that was so human. And yet they are standing there realizing this is the son of God. It's much like us. God is doing great things through his body. And yet we're still human. He's doing miraculous things through his people. And yet we are still human. So. Teamwork does make the dream work. Joseph and Mary give us a great example of teamwork under great stress. I'd like to think that some of these characteristics I've shared with you tonight were probably present within them. I know they need to be present within us. So that's it for tonight. I think I almost made it, except Joyce is going to blow it. I could have made it by 730, but she has to play some kind of video. So folks, for tonight, I'm going to say good night. Stay tuned for 30 more seconds, and we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss it.